Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast number 38. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome back. This is John McGowan with the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. My email is john at IndoorCycleInstructor.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Now, with these tough economic times that many or most of us are facing, what if there's a way to monetize your passion as an indoor cycling instructor into a way you could turn into cash while creating a real benefit for the participants in your class? Now, my guest today is Graham Street, and Graham is the owner of a bicycle training membership site called Cycle Club, and Graham has some very interesting ideas that I think you're going to be excited to hear about essentially monetizing your class, turning it into cash. The interview went quite long, so I broke it into two pieces. This is obviously part one. Part two will be available exclusively to members of our community. Now, if you're already receiving regular emails from me, then you're already a member. If you're not yet a member, you just need to visit IndoorCycleInstructor.com. There are numerous places where you can sign up. It just requires your first name and email address. Membership is free, and I respect your privacy. So everybody in our community will be receiving an email with a link to the second half of this. And I'm guessing that after you listen to the first half, you're really going to want to hear the second half. So let's get to the interview. Graham Street, welcome to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Pleasure to be here, John. I really appreciate you asking me to come on board. Now, you are joining us from... I'm in Maine, actually, uh, right now with my parents, but I actually uh, reside in Connecticut. I actually pretty much reside all over the world. Um, I run an online and offline enterprise. Uh, Cycloclub.com is, is my primary membership site for everyday cyclists around the world, but I, I'm everywhere. You know, I, I can go to any state or any country and pretty much set up, set up shop. That's the beauty of the internet and uh, the power of being able to take what I do for a living and, and bring it to the world, much like you do with your show. Oh, exactly. You know, I'll just, just relay a very short story. I got an email from a gal who was a listener said, well, John, where do you teach? And I told her, thinking that she was somewhere here in Minnesota, and she emails back. She says, oh, my gosh, I'm in, I'm in California. I had, I had no idea. Man, you, you make it all the way to California. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Power of the internet is a beautiful thing. It is. All right. Graham, can you give me just a little understanding of your background, qualification for the things that you're doing with Cycle Club? I got a, I got a lot of different types of backgrounds, uh, all of which I think are going to be very similar to both you, John, and every one of your listeners in some way. I've got three different uh, qualifications and degrees. And I'm going to ask you a quick question at the end of giving my qualifications and ask you which one you think is the most valuable. First of all, I got, I got a five-year degree in exercise, physics and nutrition from Florida State University. Uh, I graduated summa cum laude from that college, uh, taught my class, ACSM qualified, and all that other kind of jazz. That was a five-year degree, and I enjoyed it immensely. Never knew that that's what I was going to do for a living, by the way. I just kind of fell into it. Mm-hmm. Second degree that I got is nine years in one-on-one entrepreneurship and self-marketing, and I got that from the school of hard knocks. <laughs> I didn't go to a college for that. 
All right. I learned it one step at a time all the way through in a very painful, arduous process that I now can look back on and see completely differently, which we're going to go over today. The third degree that I have is an 11-year degree in professional passion for helping other individuals achieve their results, meaning that I've been a one-on-one trainer for over 11 years. I've helped people literally from face-to-face to around the world, 11 years. And I got that degree from the University of Let's Fix the World, which a lot of us know that university. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, John, out of those three degrees, which one, if you'd only pick one, is the most valuable? I would say the third one, based on passion to change the world. I, that's something I operate under. I saw an opportunity to hopefully bring some better understanding, better knowledge, and some additional content to indoor cycling instructors. And, you know, that's really what drives me. Am I right? John, I think most people would pick the exact answer that you did. And I think that 11 years ago, I would have picked the same answer. But it's been my experience now looking at my qualifications from my own objective that actually three is not the most important, that number two is. And really what that boils down to is the ability for self-marketing. So again, the, the title of our show, that the content that I wanted to bring to you that we discussed was three ways to monetize your passion and turn that into cash. So what I have learned beyond a shadow of a doubt is, the, is that although I have a great degree and I can have as many different certifications as I want, you know, I'm ACSM uh, certified, which is you know, one of the better ones that you can get. And I could have gotten 10 more. And I had my parents and all my friends you know, saying, go get your master's degree and all that stuff. And I had all that lined up. I got you know, accepted to the University of Virginia to go work as you know, uh, an apprentice for my master's uh, with growth hormone you know, uh, uh, research. I got invited to the International Olympic Training Center to go work at the time when Lance Armstrong was you know, basically uh, at his prime moving to there in the uh, late 90s. I turned all those things down. And the reason why that I did is that after I had finished my degree, I knew that although the, the degrees and the certifications were all great, I needed to find myself with real people in the real world and find a way to market myself moving forward. I remember even as I was getting my degree and I was sitting there in all these classes, I was pretty good at what I did. For just some reason, I knew the knowledge. Anyone that's taken exercise physiology knows that the, the, the failure rate is about 50%. These are tough classes. And for whatever reason, as it resided with me, as I'm sitting there in class, I'm like, God, this is all great info, but what does this really have to do with me helping an individual feel stronger? and feel better about themselves and improve because I wasn't learning any of that, none of it. I could talk to you back and forwards about how carbon relates with hydrogen in a certain atom. I could talk to you about you know, the, the anaerobic process or the glycolytic chain, but none of those things I felt at the time were in reality to help someone else. And I just I instinctively knew that. And more importantly, I kept asking myself, I'm going like, like, to have a great degree. How the heck am I going to sell myself with this thing? I mean, how do I take this and make a career out of it. Go work in a lab? That didn't have any interest in me. I did that for a couple of years. That was okay, but it wasn't very fun. And on the flip side of that, after I started working in the industry, I had a tremendous amount of passion. And I constantly, much like many of us do, spin instructor, trainer, coach, whatever, we get into it typically with passion at the forefront. And it's typically this, uh, a very similar scenario. You, know, you, get, you get fit for yourself. You overcome an obstacle. You feel great. People start asking you questions about it. You find that you really have a flair for wanting to help other people, and it begins to build. 
say, well, maybe I should get a certification. Maybe I should become a personal trainer. Maybe I should become a spin instructor. Maybe I could do this a couple nights a week and make a couple extra bucks. And that passion begins to build. That passion, absolutely, John, is mandatory. What begins to happen, however, is as the passion grows and the desire to say, I want this to be a career or something that actually gives me equity valuable that I, you know, again, at the end of the day, we need things to live on. Mm-hmm, then there's this, there's this impasse. And it's the impasse that I want to go over. And that's why, unfortunately, in many cases, number three alone is not the correct answer. The self-marketing is. You can have all the passion in the world, but if you can't market yourself, you, then it's basically a hobby. If you have all the degrees in the world and all the tremendous knowledge, but you can't take action with that knowledge to provide a career for yourself, then it's basically just knowledge without an action. And I don't know about you, but to me, knowledge without action is a, is a miserable situation because you have all these answers, all this great information, but you can't share it. You can't act upon it. So the action really becomes the clincher. How can you take action with the absolute bare minimum of what you have available, whether it's passion, whether it's knowledge, whether it's experience, or ideally all three. All three are important from a value perspective. I've always said if you can market yourself, I don't care what your certifications are. I don't care you know, if, your pa- if your passion wavers. If your passion is going to be there, it's going to stay there because you can self-market yourself. How many times have I met trainers or coaches that have tremendous passion and after five years, six years of trying to grind it out because they don't know how to market themselves, they go and do something else and they lose that passion. And, and that's the tragedy that I don't want to see happen. You can achieve both. You can achieve both. All right. So tell us how we're going to accomplish that. Well, if we really look at this, passion without marketability, systemization, and delivery is basically what in definition would be a hobby. And if you want your, you know, to be a spin instructor or a trainer or a coach, if you want that to be a hobby, something that you want to do on the side to feel good about and to have fun with, and if it brings you money or not, who cares? That's a hobby. That's a personal passion hobby. You know what? Those things are fantastic. I say have, have as many personal passion hobbies in life as possible. I have many other things that I'm passionate about besides my job. But my job is not a hobby. And I'm fortunate enough to have both passion, marketability, systemization, and delivery skills to make my passion an actual career. And that's what separates it out. How many people go and get their certification in either spin or training or all the above, and then they're like, God, you know, I can't live off this. I love it so much, but I've got two customers paying me, you know, 20 bucks a piece, right? Have two classes at $15 if I'm lucky, uh, and people asking me questions all the time, and I have given them all my passion back, but I don't, I can't live off this. I still got to go to a nine to five, and I, I don't know your listenership all too well, but I'd have to guess to me listening to your show before, John, and, and knowing you pretty well now, that if, if you're listening to this show, I have got to assume a couple things. Number one, I know that you have passion for your spin classes or for being a personal trainer or for being a personal coach. I get that. You wouldn't be listening to your show and wasting your time with this unless you had that passion. So that I know. I also know that if you're taking your time to listen to this show, that you're looking for something more, whether it's knowledge, whether it is experience, whether it is feedback, whether it is John's passion, and you're looking to energize yourself from whatever it may be, but you're here 
with some kind of open-mindedness on what can I learn so I can do better? How can I help my customers better? How can I market myself better? How can I monetize? And then thirdly, you're, you're look, I'm assuming that you're looking for some kind of delivery. Well, how do I do that, Graham? You keep talking about this stuff, but how do I deliver that? And that's how we want to take that hobby and turn it into something that's equitable. I mean, because I, I mean, let, let's just pretend that we're all raising hands here. If I told you that you could take your passion, which may or may not be a hobby right now, and that passion could become your full-time career, and not only could you just barely pay your bills with it, but you could live the life that you want to lead as a result of that passion, how many people listening to the show right now, John, including you, do you think would raise their hand? Oh, I'm guessing more than all of them. <laughs> so, yes. It always starts with that, that fire, that passion. Now what we want to help you do is monetize that passion. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the biggest mistake that every single one of us, myself included, has made at some point, if not repetitively making it. And that's the self-belief that even though you have all this passion, and you may have a tremendous amount of knowledge, you might have more acronyms after your name than there are letters in the alphabet, okay? And you keep getting them, and you keep getting more certified and more this and more that. But at the end of the day, if you can't systemize it, and you really are kind of, you're kind of stuck, and you don't value really your true value. The biggest mistake coaches and trainers and spin instructors tend to make is they don't really put enough value on what they have to offer. And they think to themselves, well, I couldn't afford 100 bucks an hour for one-on-one -on -one training, or I couldn't afford this or that. And as a result, they depreciate their value. That, of course, in, in actuality, whether you're a spin instructor or whether you're selling hard goods or whatever it is, the customer recognizes that, and they devalue you. And it's this perpetual cycle with coaches and trainers and spin instructors where they're kind of locked in this self-induced bubble of I have more value, but I don't value myself enough to go sell it. That would be wrong because that must, if I'm making money off it, then I must have killed my passion. I sold my soul to the devil. Seriously, trainers think like this. I used to be one that used to think like that. Oh, I agree. What? I can't charge more. That would mean that I'm not passionate anymore and I'm a bad person. And I say, you know what? If you are truly passionate about what you're doing, and you don't value what you offer, and you don't reap the economic, physical, and mental rewards you deserve, then I say you are not passionate. You are not serving the passion in its fullest potential. Now, if you take that money and the money's not important to you, and you want to donate it, or you want to start your own kids program, or whatever it is as a result, I don't care how you use it, but you better start learning how to value what you deliver, because make no mistake, you are important, and what you deliver absolutely across the board is important. And if you value that, you'll actually get more results from the very people you're trying to help. And that is an absolute clincher. How many times have I seen trainers and instructors that I know right away when I'll meet them, I already know that they don't value themselves, just how they present themselves with, with their passion. And then I'll watch them with their clients and customers. And I'll see the same clients, the same customers getting the same mediocre to kind of meaningless results. And all it is is just a paycheck and a half an hour twice a week. That's all that it is. And that's why they don't move forward. Because the trainer doesn't value themselves. How can the client possibly value themselves? It has to come from the top down. There's a lot of responsibility with that. But if you let go and believe in that, man, it can take you very, very far. All right, so what are the action steps? Number one is what makes you marketable? 
And it, it, kind of as we discussed right from the get-go from the show, it's not your degree. I don't care how many certifications you have. John, I've been doing this for, professionally, I've been doing this since 1998, so what is it, 11 years? Mm-hmm. In that time, John, out of the, literally out of the tens of thousands of people I've served, right now I've got, what, 60,000-plus customers, readers, members around the world. Add them all together with the years of one-on-one FaceTime gyms, so on and so forth. It's a lot. In that time, literally, I think I've had one or two people ask my credentials. So where'd you get your degree from? So what's your certification? Well, you know, you know what, sir, I'm, I'm ACSM accredited. And they kind of look at you and they kind of veer off their head and they're like, Oh, well, that's good. And of course, they have no clue what ACS. I mean, I could have said, you know, FTPSU. And they're like, ooh, wow, that's really cool. Right. At the end uh, of the day, certifications are good to have. They are good for knowledge, hands down. I mean, I think the, one of the worst things you can do is just go and get an overnight certification and poof, I'm a trainer or a coach. And that happens every single day. It does. And I got, you know, I got a five-year degree in the field. I do believe that knowledge is important, hands down. If you're an idiot and you got a certification um, and you're trying to help people, that's all well and good, but the knowledge can be a limiter. So yes, there has to be some kind of fundamental knowledge that's there. What I always say is that common sense is always the trump card, however, uh, over book knowledge. I learned a lot of different book knowledge. I'm sure a lot of people that are in here you know, have college degrees or you know, master's degrees or even PhDs. Okay? I'm sure i got a lot of members or customers that are listening to your show right now. Uh, and at the end of the day, they also know, after being in an experienced situation, that the knowledge is good to have, but the knowledge without action is important. And in this case, the knowledge without marketability is really what we're getting at, meaning that I'd rather have you be marketable in only one way and really press that out for all that it's worth and reap the rewards and build from it. I'm going to give you a personal example. So from 2000 to what, 2004, you know, I worked in very large gym facilities, some of the biggest on the East Coast. I was a master trainer. You know, I was doing eight to ten one-on-one sessions a day to the point where the gym just couldn't afford me anymore. So I left. My wife and I started my own, you know, personal training business. We were going, you know, basically to people's homes and doing that in-home kind of thing. And we flourished for a while uh, and moved that forward. We moved down to Essex, uh, which is in Connecticut, and we had a, you know, six-month, eight-month waiting list to get on board with us. And I was charging, what, $100, $150 an hour for my time, and I had no overhead, no facilities, no nothing, no one to answer to, no one telling me what to do. And as we moved forward with that, you know, it was all well and good, but at some point it was always the same formula. How many hours in a week can I teach? How many times can I see the same customer over and over, and what's my maximum dollars that I can charge? And although that's a pretty prime formula, I mean, I was making like $100,000 plus a year with that formula. A lot of people that may be listening might say, God, you know, what are you complaining about? Why would, why would you ever want to change that? You're a trainer going door to door, working a couple posh hours a day with people that make big bucks and, and you're not satisfied. And you know what? I wasn't. And you know why? Because the people that kept paying me those great dollars, which is all fine and dandy, it gets stale after a while. And, and most of those people that are, that are listening that you know, have one-on-one clients, and you've had them for a year or more, and I know a lot of you have, how fun are those sessions right now and how much progress are you really getting them? And if it comes down to it's only about the paycheck, it's only about the dollars, it gets a little old and you're going to lose that very passion you're trying to hold on to. So I had to find myself in a, how do I market myself differently? And that's when we began to monetize. When I decided to do Cyclocore, I'd already had a tremendous amount of multimedia experience. My wife and I had produced a whole bunch of other products for the general fitness category. And we, you know, we had a book, we had, Jesus, I, I had, before I even started Cyclocore and Cyclo Club, I already had, what, 
six or seven different hard copy products on DVD, CD, and book that we manufactured and built ourselves. And again, that's a whole other show mm-hmm. unto itself. But we monetized right away. We knew that we had to duplicate ourselves in some way. We were selling on Amazon. We had a radio show in New York City and all over the place for three or four years. That was how we kind of exposed ourselves. Uh, we were in, you know, we were on NBC News. We were in magazines, so on and th- so on and so forth. And that was, and that was all well and good. And then my wife got pregnant, and I decided to say, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And my family and everyone else said, you know, what are you talking about? Well, you don't want to do this anymore. I said, the general fitness industry, it's all well and good, but I- I'm forcing my customers to have to try to get fit because a lot of those people, they didn't have any direction. You know what I mean? And a lot of people that have customers or clients that are listening know what I'm talking about. Someone that hires you with the intention of, I want you to fix me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pay you for it whether it's a spin class, whether it's a trainer, whatever. I'm going to pay you to fix me. And because you want to make money at your job and fulfill your passion, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then a couple of years goes by, or even a couple of months, and I'm like, God, you know, we're just not really going anywhere. No matter how hard I push this guy or girl, they're just not getting it, that they have to do the work. They have to participate in their own success. And what I found out was is that I didn't, want to, I didn't care how much money I was making. If I go to work, that means with a client, and I'm forcing the situation, I'm forcing them to try to feel good, that at some point, the passion runs dry, okay? And if you don't have marketability and a a dimension to find new outlets, to find people that want to do that work, I'm telling you, the burnout rate gets really high, and a lot of us already know that. A lot of us listening might already be at that burnout point, going, yeah, you know, I'm making this, I'm making that, but I'm holding on for dear life to keep them. And those people, of course, are the first people to flake off. So when I came into CycleCore, I decided to take all my knowledge with that and, and go after a passion of mine that I've had for over 20 years, which was cycling. Now, I'm not a pro racer. I'm not Chris Carmichael. I'm not Lance Armstrong. I don't have any, you know, Palmares that, you know, separates me from any of these people. I'm not even spin certified. And you people can gawk at that. And people did. My parents, my family said, you can't just produce a product for cycling and, and start to go and compete with these major competitors. I said, of course I can't. I said, but you're nobody in that sport. I said, I know, but I've got marketability in one very special thing. In 2004, I took all my knowledge about functional and core training, which I had a huge amount of personal knowledge and growth from. I was doing nothing but hardcore functional and core training just before core training really kind of took off in the mainstream. And I produced CycleCore, the original product, which was fast, effective core training for everyday cyclists. And it was a marketing gap. The marketability angle was all my competitors were doing on-the-bike training. No one was getting them off the bike to do the balance. I'm like, God, this is almost too easy. So I produced the product. It was a killer product. I released it. I made $25,000 in the first month of the sale of the product. And now I've, I don't know how much money I've made off that one particular product. I've got like 30 or 40 products now. But that one first product, which is still my bread and butter product, proved that it's the marketability of what makes you special and the angle that you take with it that makes the difference. So my question to the, to the listeners are, what makes you special? What is one thing about you that people line up after class or after a session and just they glow about you? They're looking at you like, God, thank you so much for this. Thank you for so much for that. Try to pinpoint what it is. For mine, it was a core training thing, but it was my personality that made it work. I mean, I could teach a monkey to core train, okay? Seriously. Okay. What, anyone can do that. 
Anyone, any trainer with half a brain can do it. What made it special was I took that knowledge and I angled it very specifically at my passion. So my personal passion was cycling. I'm a certified personal instructor for general fitness, right? So I took the two and I meshed them together. That's called target marketing. So if you want to try to be in the industry of going after anybody and everybody that just wants to pay you to feel good, prepare to be frustrated. It's a terrible market to be in, and it's a big market. It's huge. It's the biggest market, but it's a terrible one to be in. Do you have a passion for triathlon? Do you have a passion for cycling? Do you have a passion for kayaking, canoeing, hiking? Do you have people within your slipstream, meaning customers, clients, or people that show up for your class that have similar interests? Do you have a way to synergize and market yourself to those interests directly and only to those interests? That sniper rifle style marketability is what can take you to the next step. You have to find out what your personal passion is, hone it down to one, maximum two things, and again, ideally, just one. I get people asking me all the, all the time, well, how come you don't, don't produce a whole bunch of triathlon products or mountain bike products or running products? And I have, but I don't do many. And to be honest with you, I don't spend a lot of time with it at all. In fact, ironically, 20% of my total base is triathlon, even though I don't market to them directly. And the reason why I don't do that is that by only focusing on cyclists, that's a huge market in and of itself. And by staying true to my personal passion, I'm not a triathlete, so I've only stuck true to what I know best, which is cycling and getting people strong for the bike. And if you're a triathlete that wants to use that, great. But I'm not going to come after you. And that's what's made it really powerful. So that self-induced marketability. What makes you special? How can you take that specialty, angle it in a marketable way towards a small group of people and build from there? And that's absolutely step one. And all of us have that capacity. Every person that's listening right now has one thing absolutely that's special about it. Okay, so now I've identified at least I've got some ideas as to what I think is my marketable passion. What do I do with it? Now comes the systemization to monetization. People don't buy thin air. They don't buy ideas. They buy tangibles, period. You do, I do, everyone that's listening does. People buy tangibles. What the industry tries to sell is the emotional atmosphere of a spin class, the emotional uh, connection of a personal training session. And although it's a service, what we have found beyond the shadow of that, one of the reasons why I'm talking to you on the show and I get invited to other shows and I've got the, the audience that I have is that I produced tangibles. Now, tangibles can be defined in many different ways. Ebooks, MP3 players, DVDs, uh, CDs, books, manuals. My first product was actually um, a book, a spiral-bound book that well, my wife and I wrote. It was the four-week carb-conscious diet plan. And that plan was to, at the time, was, you know, big in, you know, uh, we were coming into the market where low-carb was really the phase, the big, huge, you know, selling point across the board. And we felt that although low-carb had some good things to it, we also knew that it was disaster waiting to happen. So we created a book around trying to work around that. And that was our first tangible product. And we were selling that book to both our customers for like 20, 30 bucks a piece. So not a lot of money, but that tangible, ironically enough, made us much more valuable to our customers. They saw us as real. So even though we were serving them every day, that tangible stepped it up a notch. I was now self-published. And that self-publishing label uh, is a pretty powerful situation. So I ask you, how can you, John, you're, you're a prime example. 
your show is monetization and systemization. You've taken a passion, a skill set, you have applied it in a tangible way, which is digital downloads or a radio show concerning a particular home topic. So, John, do you go after uh, uh, ski coaches, people that teach cross-country skiing? Obviously not, no. No. The name of your show is Indoor Cycling Instructor, right? So you're very specific. I'm not going after cycling coaches. I'm going after spin instructors that teach inside. And that sniper rifle marketability with your systemization is what will allow you to monetize, meaning that you've created a platform on passion and knowledge. Otherwise, you'd just be another spin instructor, right? Agreed. Now, you might not make a truckload of money at this point doing something like this. You're doing it on passion first, systemization second, and now that you have the platform, you are in prime position for all these next steps. And I'm sure that you're already hand over fist working and already achieved many of those steps. Meaning, how do I take my platform, my passion, and turn it into something more, something tangible for them and something equitable for me, because at some point, how long have you been doing your show now? Uh, about eight months. Eight months. So you're still kind of in that infancy stage with where this can really go. And I'm excited for you, man. I really am well, excited. I appreciate that. I know that. what it's like to be in that honeymoon stage. And this is the best part, actually. It really is, is you're building that platform and you're building that credibility. You're being a real person with a real mission. It, it, some days I wish I could go back all the way to the beginning. And sometimes I force myself to try to do that. And I do that by taking on new projects that really stretch my legs, really make me go back into the honeymoon phase. And sometimes it can be painful being back in that honeymoon phase with really reaching beyond yourself and trying to build that platform. But when you do, the gratification you're going to get from it, and already do, I guarantee it, I can hear it in your voice, is something that's really powerful and gives you the opportunity to make the next step. Before Kate and I, my, Kate's my wife, before we went into monetization and systemizing ourselves and all that stuff, we kept finding these people that saw our talent and telling us they're, they're going to turn us into a star. <laughs> uh, you know, Graham, we want to create a DVD around you, or Graham, we want to do this with you, or, well, we want to build a gym, we want you to manage it or own it, and blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you, no one can turn you into a star but you, period. And that goes across the board. I don't care who you are, how old you are, how much talent you have, how much talent you don't have. The only person that could turn you into a success and into a star is you. Just like I say, if you're a coach or a trainer or a spin instructor, the only person that can really get the people in your class fit is not you. Make no mistake. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. You're just simply a tool and an asset to help them move forward. But you cannot get them more fit. And if you try, you're going to be a very frustrated individual. And I've been that frustrated individual. Still am sometimes. Well, and I think many, I, I, I think many listeners to this show are, have that exact same frustration. Absolutely. You do everything you can, and they Jenny. don't get it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If I could only get Jenny to do this. Jenny's got so much potential in class, and she keeps trying and trying to lose that weight, but she's in class five days a week, and I see her frustration. I try to talk to her about it, and I'm frustrated because what you haven't presented Jenny with is possibly some kind of systemization with a beginning and end in mind. I remember when I worked for uh, the Taking Care Center, which is one of the original corporate fitness facilities on the East Coast, pretty much redefined in the late 80s and early 90s what corporate fitness meant. Uh, six or you know, six or 7,000 know, people that you know, resonate within that gym, 20 trainers, something like that. I remember when I came in, I was hired for 10 bucks an hour. 
Uh, I work 10 hours a day, you know, six days a week, you know, basically just beat on like most people, like a gym, basically like a gym rat, right? Uh, they allowed us to do personal training. They limited us to, what, two or three sessions per week, and, of course, the house takes half the cut. And, of course, right away I'd come in with, you know, pretty much little knowledge. I was only in the industry for maybe a year, just pretty much fresh out of college, uh, maybe two years, I can't remember. And uh, I picked up a couple clients right away just because of my marketability. Again, I'm just good with people. Uh, I love what I do, and that's, you know, that, that magnet alone makes it easier. So I got my two people or my, my two quota filled pretty quickly. And I went to my general manager and I said, you know, I really like this and I think I could bring you <clears throat> more money by taking on more individual clients and doing less and less of the floor work and all the other, you know, junk that goes along with being, you know, <clears throat> a worker here in the gym. And he saw the flare of me and said, okay, I'll, let's open it up and I'll give you, you know, what, 10 or 12 sessions allotted per week. And I had those filled literally within less than two days. By the end of the month, I had really a waiting list for all those slots left over because of one specific thing that I did. I systemized what I was offering. Every, every other instructor and, and uh, personal trainer that was there was saying, if you want to hire me, it's six sessions, and here's the bundle price, and so on and so forth. Here's how much I am per hour. And again, what did we just say in that other segment? People don't buy thin air. They buy tangibles. And a tangible can be a beginning and an end. If you put a bookmark on one end to the other, a 12-week system, a six-week thing to this, a 12-week plan to drop... 12 pounds, whatever it is, that is a tangible. It is. And what I did to even enlighten that further is I created a manual to go along with my personal training. So it was like a, a book that I basically printed myself on a regular printer, three, three pull, you know, the three-hole punched it, and created it together. And I, I gave it a title, the 12-week you know, Get Fit System. I can't really remember what it was. But I, I created it myself. I didn't rely on the gym to do it for me. I did it myself. I brought it to my general manager. I said, I've got a waiting list. I said, let me open, let me open the floodgates. Let me take on the people that I want to qualify. He said, what do you mean by qualify? I said, well, eat the first session for every person that I have is not a personal training session. It's a sit-down session to qualify them if I want to take them on for the space. This is a high-demand space. Now, what did I just do there? I positioned myself in the control position. And not to be controlling, but to make sure that the customer understands that if you're going to hire me, then I need to do my job. The only way that I can do my job is to make sure you're qualified to do the work. Because at the end of the day, I can't do the work for you. Oh, I love that. That's fabulous. So if, if you qualify, what have I just done for the member? I just instigated them to do the darn work. Mm -hmm. And if I can do that, what did I just do? I secured my position. I made them realize that it's all about them doing the work. I'm just simply a tool to help them. And what does it do? It makes 20 other people line up at the door because that's what they want to buy. They want to buy the ability to get the results. They don't want to buy thin air. So I came back to my general manager and I said, I'd like to increase my price. And he said, you want to do what? I said, I want to increase my price. And, of course, this gym had been open for like 10 or 12 years. And there was, what, 15 or 20 other personal trainers that had been there pretty much that whole time. I was brand new. This was less than three months since I've been there. He says, you want to raise your price? I said, yes, absolutely. The demand is high enough. I have a system in place that I'm selling, a beginning and an end. The customer basically knows at the end they're not a customer anymore. The next person comes in the queue, and that's why people are lining up. He said, well, how much do you want to raise it? I said, I want to double the price. And he kind of looked at me, and he had this, he had this grin. Now, this was, I had the advantage that my general manager was a little bit greedy, and I knew that. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Of course, he takes he takes half the cut. So of course, Graham, I think that's a good idea. Very enterprising, and uh, I think you should try that. Now, of course, when the other trainers caught wind of this, you know, you can imagine how popular I was, right? So you got a senior member, you got a senior trainer in there. Here comes some newbie puts a bookmark, basically just a title to what he's doing, and charges double. And when I charged double, I went to 10 sessions per day, every day, lining up. I mean, I went from client to client to client to client. It was a disaster because I was just way overbooked. And I was, I was getting twice the dollars that everyone else in the facility was. And wouldn't you know, within less than six months, every other trainer was trying to duplicate what I did. Why? Because they, they also realized that, God, you know, if I just take on anybody and everybody, and everybody qualifies somebody because I want to make a paycheck, but they're not really qualified to do the work, what did that trainer really just do to themselves? We'll set them up for disappointment failure. and failure. Right? They, they, set up, they, set, they set up the the client for failure, and I guarantee they set themselves up for that client to pick up the phone and call six months down the road when the client, when the trainer's most dependent on those dollars. And Susie calls and says, uh, John, I just... I can't show up for, for any more sessions. Uh, something's happened with work or, or money's gotten tight, and uh, I really just don't know. And you know what? She's never really been getting the results anyway, and you've been kind of stringing it along just to make the paycheck because you never did the most important thing, which is qualify and systemize. The person has to see some kind of system in place that they know that there's a tangible in effect, whether that's dropping 10 pounds, whether that's riding two miles per hour faster, whether that's getting ready for the Tour de France, some kind of goal that's bundled with that system. If you do that, when you do that, you will set yourself apart than any other trainer in the world, period. And if you're selling packages and you're discounting those packages and that's the bundle and that's all that you're selling, well, if you get six personal training sessions, it's only these dollars. And that's, what, and that's the whole selling tactic, and it says four ninety nine on it. Yeah, how many people right now do you think are going to line up for that kind of package? Nobody. Nobody. Why? Because it's not a tangible. You've given them nothing except a price tag. You have to do much better than that. In fact, most, most times, especially when I went into my own company, people would ask, well, how much are you per hour? And I said, well, that depends. We'll discuss that at our first session. But our first, my first session is $100 for you just to qualify you. I want to go over plenty of great information for you, but we need to qualify first. And of course, you get this pause at the end of the line. Uh, okay, you need to force them to the table right away. Now that takes guts; it really does. And it was a, a hard process for my wife and myself to do that. Why? Because at the forefront, what was I doing? Well, if I do that, then I'm a, I'm a greedy business owner looking for the cash, not a passionate want to fix you person. And that was a major step for us, and it was a tough step. But the step that I guarantee you has made my passion grow exponentially and allow this to be not only just a full-time job, but my dream come true every single day. Without that step, I would still be the same trainer making 20 bucks an hour, stuck at the gym, teaching classes 10 years later, saying, what the hell am I doing? Because mm-hmm. I never made that step. And that's a tragedy. When you have someone that has passion and knowledge, and I know everyone that's listening, like we already said, I already know you're qualified. It's a tragedy, man. <clears throat> and if you're working a nine-to-five plus doing this on the side, and, and I said to yourself, hey, if I could wave a magic wand and poof, this was your full-time job and your career, and you made the money, that you, the dollars that you needed to make, you're not going to be a millionaire doing it. But if you can make the dollars you need to make comfortably and live your life, would, would you quit your nine-to-five grind and do this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would. 
I did. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. So, okay, now, so bring this all together now. My listeners are indoor cycling instructors. You know, how do they, how do they make this all happen? Obviously, there's a couple roadblocks that all of us have. That completes the first half of my interview with Graham Street. Second half, you've probably already got it. And if not, IndoorCycleInstructor.com, just sign up, and the reply email that you get will include the link to, this, to the second half of this podcast.